following is a production of the Event Safety Alliance. Welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. I'm Steve Edelman. And today we're going to talk about stories. You know, we learn from other people's stories better than when we learn from a class, for example. We learn through stories. There's that saying, the one thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history, but we do learn from experience. And stories are a way for us to learn from other people's experiences. The very first time I came across the Event Safety Alliance was at a session at LDI in Las Vegas. And I just went because I was interested. And, and while we were there, we heard stories about Cirque. And Jim Digby was telling this story about uh, the origin story of the ESA and how it came about. And he told a story about talking to people at NASA and how if even NASA could have to redo their culture we should be able to do this too because it isn't actually rocket science. Um, and when I left that, oh, oh, and then he said, and there's a book. And then they talked about the book. And I was like, there's a book? I love books. And I got a book. And that night I went out to dinner with a friend and I got in the car to, I don't remember where we were going, but I said, today I had the most exciting experience regarding to my industry since I was in college. And that was my very first experience with the ESA. And after that, I learned there was a summit and I got to go to the summit. And this year, our summit's all virtual. So even if you're not able to travel, maybe you could go. It's December 7 through 11, on sale now, though I wrote down November. No, it is in fact, December 7 December. through 11. Uh, that's yep. the Event Safety Summit, the virtual version. So no no complaining about travel to Rock Lidditz. Um, from wherever you are, it is merely a few clicks away. Yep. And, and while I will miss seeing everyone in person and being in Rock Lidditz, which is a very cool facility, um, this is a new opportunity for us to connect in a different way this year. Uh, so today we're going to talk about origin stories, because a lot of times people who are really passionate about safety have a reason. There was something that happened in their life that refocused their attention on it. And today we have two special guests that are going to share their safety origin stories. They're both members of the ESA board. And Steve, why don't you go ahead and introduce our special guests? Sure. Um, well, one of the things that ESA has done this year to become better than we were. So, you know, never waste a good catastrophe. Um, we have expanded and I believe improved our board of directors. Um, we have gotten younger, more diverse, more energetic. Um, you know, no disrespect to the people who are on our board, but I think we've added some significant breadth of experience and brain power. And I think arguably we're even cooler and, you know, possibly better looking. So it's a it's a big win and we'd like you to know a little about some of our new board members. So we're going to hear origin stories from Danielle Hernandez and also Tammy Richter from South by Southwest and Boxer Hardison from Bigger Hammer. And these are cool. And I think that you're going to find them really interesting and fun. And hopefully it will stimulate you to think about how did you get interested in this? Did something happen either to you or around you? Or did you just hear about something? Because 
you know, safety is, it's part of everything that we do, but it's, for many people, not the first part. Um, so what we have found this year, for example, is our membership has expanded, frankly, a lot um, because of the pandemic, but ESA winds up being a second membership in addition to whatever someone's primary affiliation is, they realize their primary affiliation doesn't have the safety expertise that we do. And so more and more people are joining us to fill in that gap. And so what we're gonna do today is talk about how a few of us realized that this was something that mattered, that required its own attention and you know, wasn't just something that was part of the air that we breathe, but rather something that we needed to really focus on. Danielle? Yeah, it's taking safety from just a responsibility to something that's more of a passion, uh, because you realize that what we do for a living is fabulous and great, and we want everyone to have a great experience or a meaningful experience. We don't want them to have a fatal or an injurious experience. God forbid. So... Let's start with Boxer. All right. Um, I'll just kind of tick through like how I got into the industry briefly. And then, you know, for me, it's not one origin story, but a couple uh, punctuations of things that happened as I was, you know, coming into the industry and, and moving along in it. You know, really getting into the industry probably started with me taking apart a realistic tape recorder when I was, you know, eight or nine years old and not being able to put it back together. Then having a truck when I was a senior in high school, driving around, uh, setting up DJ equipment, you know, not understanding how after driving a hundred miles and back, the speaker fell out of the truck on the last turn <laughs> back home. And so sort of learning those lessons the hard way, you know, a mini tour to uh, to good old ASU where they didn't realize uh, everyone in the band was 17 years old and we were paying, playing a bar for open bar, uh, driving out with the truck there. And then I got into doing, I kind of came into the business from a couple angles. I was working with a local promoter and working with uh, local ska bands with a band called Hepcat and working with No Doubt when they were just up and coming. But then I was also working for Avalon Attractions and worked on like the YouTube pop tour as a runner or as a person driving the bands back and forth to the dressing room for, um, for Lollapalooza uh, where I first met Kevin Lyman. I also worked as a freelance electrician um, where you know, as a kid in college, it was like, okay, let's run these 40 motors out. And it's me and, and you know, the other lighting person are, you know, in charge of a, you know, a significant rig um, without a lot of training. And so trying to figure that stuff out, as well as when I was in college, I worked as a freelance um, stagehand and ended up running the fly rail. And a lot of what I learned were the processes of how to run a fly rail safely and seeing people not doing that. Um, I worked with a guy uh, named Rolo. He was the head flyman at the La Mirada Performing Arts Center. And, uh, you know, he's a really good teacher in hindsight. You know, at the time, I probably didn't realize it. But, um, you know, just, you know, there were times when people would fly in a baton and they wouldn't check to see, you know, who that somebody was on stage that was clear or, you know, pyro going off without any notice, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the strongest memories I have, and you know, is why I brought my prop rubber bullet, which if you want to do good radio, make sure to bring visuals, um, is I used to work with this pirate crew. You'd go and get paid 50 bucks to like unload a truck. 
or like half the crew would get paid in, in weed, but I, I opted for the 50 bucks. Um, so I show up to, to, uh, to load, um, to unload audio for the street festival called uh, Fiesta Broadway, which they do uh, right before Cinco de Mayo in downtown LA. They close off like a square mile of downtown Los Angeles and there's multiple stages on different street corners. And so I show up and I'm handed a schedule and that's pretty rare for a truck loader to be handed a schedule. Uh, and so, okay, tip the truck and turns out I'm gonna be on all day. So the street are shut down, but the local businesses are not. Um, and as the day goes on, we're getting a very large crowd and the stage is in you know, one artery of the street and the crowd is forming on the intersection. And so people are buying like alcohol from the liquor stores, and, um, you know, the fire department is starting to get concerned about the crowd. And so their idea, not genius in hindsight, was you guys are going to have to hold off on starting your show until the crowd dissipates. But the opposite thing happened. More and more and more people came. Um, at one point, an ambulance decides to drive through the crowd. And it's probably... I don't know, maybe 20,000 people or something. I don't know, it was, it was a, the streets were packed. Immediately to the north and the south were streets with no one on them. So there's absolutely no reason for this ambulance driver to drive through the crowd. Probably thought it'd be cool or something or didn't think about it. Crowd starts rocking the ambulance back and forth. So this is getting hairy, right? Um, this isn't that long after, you know, the Rodney King stuff, um, you know, this is LA in the, and it's probably 95 maybe. So eventually, you know, Zap and Roger, we had a bunch of bands that we're gonna play. Um, and uh, the fire marshal decides we're shutting down the show. So they have somebody from the station go on to announce the show's not happening. It just starts raining 40 ounce bottles onto the stage. So basically, riot incited by the fire department and the police like the audience is a varied audience there's people with their kids and so there's barricade and i find myself behind the barricade people are handing me their children and i'm lifting their kids over the barricade and rushing them back out to the back of the stage you know it's it's one of those things that was an eye-opener of there's uh that the, the hjs are not necessarily there to uh deflate the situation or, um, you know, resolve it. It's they really added fire, uh, gasoline to the fire and, and, and caused this issue that if we would have just had the show, um, there was other ways to go about it that wouldn't, it, you know, it brought it to a fall and riot. So if you couldn't see what this is, this is a rubber bullet and canister from that day. And the riot squad showed up, they're in their SUV suburbans out of the sunroof, they're shooting rubber bullets at everybody and people are just panicking. I mean, it was a total disaster, totally unavoidable. And it's um, terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it, it is weird. You, you do have like that like tunnel vision of what do we need to do to get through this? Um, you know, it eventually calmed down. You know, I got paid cash. <laughs> At the end of the night, I remember walking like three blocks to my car going, did I live through a riot so I can get mugged all the way back to my car tonight? Um, but that was one of those things of, you know, a really eye opener of, hey, things can go, you know, really bad without, without you realizing it. 
and it was it was it was planned well and the right people were involved from the beginning but just bad decisions were made you know that were that were out of the hands of production so that was one that was really an eye opener um and then another one that I'll that I'll jump into real quickly was I was working as a camera operator on um for Bon Jovi uh on the These Days tour in 96 and we're in Europe and we had three stages that would leapfrog so we're working on stage A stage B is getting built and stage 3 is on the road and so we had advanced teams of riggers and uh I go to uh, video was only there for the show days we would load in on show days so I'm in the lobby and I see one of the riggers and he should be at the show site and I'm going hey what are you what are you doing here and he's like he was, you know, pretty shook up. He's like, well, you know, I was, um, we had these big towers, you know, it was a full blown stage go stadium rig. And uh, he had climbed down. He was like, clean, he turns to clean off his boots and a person comes flying into the ground dead. And so he was really obviously rattled from that. He nearly got killed, but he also saw somebody die. And you know, the most we, the best we ever figured out was it was a runner who wasn't authorized to be climbing and either fell or, you know, took his life. And just to realize that you can get taken out by somebody else's actions and just seeing the, the look in that, you know, rigor's face, um, you know, you realize that there's real consequences if, if people don't do things, uh, you know, the way that they should be done, you know, um, and so that, for sure, that was something that, that formed my opinion of definitely fall protection and really tuned my ears towards making sure people are trained when they're allowed access to, to, to you know, working at height. Uh, you know, f- from there, I, you know, um, went on to start Bigger Hammer later that year. Um, as Bigger Hammer grew, I was involved more in having responsibility for some aspects of rigging and advancing shows and doing some freelance work as well. And you know, I found gaps in my knowledge. And so I ended up taking, you know, uh, Harry Donovan's rigging seminars. And there wasn't really, you know, there's not really, or at the time, there wasn't really a lot of training. Um, so that helped me fill in the gaps and, and see somebody else seeing Harry being very confident about his opinions about safety, you know, really was empowering to say, hey, there's other people that, that have these opinions. You know, I happened to be there when I got a call that one of our stagehands got the tip of their finger pulled off because during a rehearsals, because a lighting person ran out a motor that was having a problem without telling the stagehand that was trying to help them fix it. And I had to step out of class and I told Harry about it. He goes, I would have taken the guy outside and beat the shit out of him. (laughs) And uh, I didn't quite go that far, but I definitely called the production manager and said, you know, you got to get that person off the site. Um, And so, you know, Seeing uh, kindred spirits of people who really cared about safety and realized the consequences of when you don't. So as I started attending TourLink, and then uh, the year that the, the idea of the, you know, copying the purple book, um, being in the room at, at TourLink when, you know, the origin of ESA started, um, you know, I was in from, from the get, uh, just hearing the idea of it. Thank you. Those, those are very sobering stories. And, and again, that so often is what puts people on the on the ground and in those positions of responsibility so thank you for for sharing that it's too bad it's morning i feel like i need a drink now <laughs> jesus boxer well that's yeah, because i mean the rigor, the, was, the rigor was in the bar it was where i passed him he was in the, he was in the bar at you know seven in the morning or whatever it was so I, that was a little bit of a tell um, mm. 
Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not meant to be, you know, the safety porn as it were, but they're, you know, you don't forget those things. And, you, you know, it really does uh, tell you that, that this stuff actually matters. And, you know, just recently at Coachella where um, the rigor died yeah. and, you know, some things are, are maddening that, you know, person, you know, who knew better and, um, you know, somehow was allowed, no, no, nobody, none of his coworkers, anybody else stepped up and said, hey, we can't have you up there, you know, so that's, that's frustrating that, you know, obviously we still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally find it heartening, you know, pivoting away from being depressed and listening to your stories, Boxer, I find it heartening that you glean something positive out of this, um, that rather than, you know, resorting to morning drinking at the bar, <laughs> you know, you decided to become an advocate for safer practices and keeping our, our friends and loved ones and peers, you know, healthy and safe, so... You know, good for you for turning tragedy into something useful. Yeah, and I, I think as other people speak up for it, it's kind of that tipping point of it allows, it's, I mean, to put it back to the, because this year is not depressing or anything, but put it back to so now is like, <laughs> by wearing a mask, you're saying to others, it's okay to wear a mask. So by saying, by wearing your hard hat and your safety vest and saying, hey, are you clipped in? You're allowing others to have that same voice. Uh, it's easier to be part of the crowd than the only person you know forging on by yourself. Yeah, it's amazing how we give each other permission to be more considerate of others, more safe, uh, just by just by one person's action, then more people do it. It's great. Yeah, I mean that ESA's original storyteller Jim Digby, you know, he's the one who came up with the line that ESA is trying to create a culture of safety. And the best way to do that is to lead by example. So, you know, I, I, it is unfortunate that so many of us got into this through someone else's horror, but at least we are actively working to create not only a safer environment for ourselves, but also a culture that values safety, that, you know, doesn't ignore the obvious, you know, like PPE. Yeah, and I know that, that a lot of times these stories have a tinge of tragedy or near miss. Um, but if we can learn, you know, I felt like shivery during your story boxer. So, you know, if I can learn through that experience and not recreate it myself, you know, that informs my actions going forward. So again, all right. So, and now the esteemed Tammy Richter. Hello. How are you? I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. And, you know, I'm going to start off saying that I'm sort of like Boxer in that I didn't have one single life-changing event that led me down the, the yellow brick road of safety to safety nerdum. Um, it was kind of an accumulation of things and sort of the journey throughout my career that got me to where I am today and how involved I am. Um, I've always had an interest in safety. Uh, I went to college. I got my degree in criminal justice. So public safety was always something I was super interested in. Um, could tell by where I'm at now that that you know that criminal justice degree you know really paid off. <laughs> like not doing anything in that sector. But I'm really glad to be where I am today because I feel like I'm making a difference um, 
in culture safety, not just in my company, but uh, my community, my peers, my colleagues. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll start with a little bit of my background too. Um, I actually started uh, my career with a major airline. And although it's been over 20 years since I asked a passenger if they want the whole can, um, I could still recite by memory the safety briefing and I could still tell you every step that's needed to evacuate a Boeing 777. Uh, the training that I received with the airline would play a valuable role in how I looked at safety training and education um, in all my future uh, career moves. Uh, repetition, the simple commands, uh, the practice, um, it was all super easy and it's something that I really, I just never forgot. After the airlines, I found myself working for startups over the course of a couple of years. Um, that was when the dot-coms were really booming. I, I just thought for sure that I was going to be uh, 25 and retiring at any minute when my big IPO happened. I would actually end up going into a marketing specialist position. And in that position, I would set up trade show events and I would travel to a bunch of different shows throughout the United States, and I would take teams and lead them uh, in places like CES, for example. Um, it was sort of my first taste of event life, and it was, you know, and, and little did I know what was in store for me in the event world. So uh, slowly, kind of each one of those startups fizzled, my dreams of early retirement diminished, um, and then I eventually found myself unemployed and wondering what the heck I was going to do next. And so my time with the startups left me with a really polished organizational skills and the ability to lead. And those skills would definitely come into play later as I moved into the next chapter, uh, which wasn't too far off because right after I received my first unemployment check, um, I came across an ad in the Austin Chronicle and it was looking for volunteers for South by Southwest. And I knew I needed to make connections because I needed to find a new job. Um, I wanted to get involved more in my community and South by Southwest was just, you know, it was, it was really iconic and it had been around for a really long time and it brought people from all over the world to Austin. And I was also just really proud of Austin in general. So I, I, I wanted to be a part of that. So I volunteered um, and then I was completely enamored with it. I just, I fell in love with events. I, I just knew that's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so the following year, I was a volunteer manager. In between South by Southwest seasons, I volunteered for everything um, under the sun, and I worked a ton of odd um, event jobs. So I did security. I did uh, driving around artists for the different festivals that were in town. In fact, the last artist that I drove around was actually John Prine. So Lots of really great memories, lots of really good experience, you know, just a really broad spectrum of different events uh, that I was able to take part in. After my second season with South by Southwest as a volunteer, um, an opening uh, opened up and fortunately I sort of had the inside recommendation from somebody that had kind of taken notice of my volunteer work. And I also knew how to work the database that they used. So it was an easy end for me. And then almost 20 years later, I'm, I'm, I'm where I am today. Uh, I get to work with thousands and thousands of people um, every year. 
um, a lot of repeat people that come back uh, because they love South by Southwest just as much as I did. Um, but over my time uh, with South by Southwest, I've you know experienced many safety related challenges, the breakthroughs, you know, heartbreaking events that have driven home the immeasurable need to foster a safety culture within our community and beyond. Um, I've seen fans taking down fences. I've seen accidents, injuries, general unruliness, and, and much worse. And without having our safety plans, all of those things would have been much more devastating. Being responsible for very large groups of volunteers and hired event staff, it's, it's my responsibility to provide them with the tools that they need to keep themselves and those around them safe. Um, I got to give a lot of credit to my friend and colleague, John Badcock. He's an event safety sta staple across the pond. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with him for, for several years now uh, during our busy season at South by Southwest. And he's really influenced me a lot. He's the one that introduced me to the ESA and he brings with him a wealth of knowledge. And I just eat up every chance I get to pick his brain. So, so I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for him. Aside from being an event professional, I'm a mom of four and a military spouse. Uh, we've had our fair share of experiences with close calls in this journey as well. Uh, my husband was involved in a terrorist attack at a U.S. Army base 10 years ago. Um, that experience completely changed my life and, and the way I think. So it proved to me that anything can happen anywhere and at any time, and you must at all times have situational awareness. Um, you're never completely safe anywhere and you have to be prepared. Um, in fact, my husband always says, uh, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And I always take that with me anywhere I go and with anything that I do. And so kind of where that leaves me now is repetition, simple commands, practice, situational awareness, planning, organization, leadership, and then most importantly, never stop learning, which is why I think the ESA is so important, not just for me, but for everyone to be a part of because it's an amazing opportunity to learn. And you're not learning just from the courses that are offered or the summit, you're learning from each other. And it's just such a really great community of event professionals that, that always have something to teach you. Wow. And that's my Thank story. You, Thank you, Tammy. Um, yeah, I, so many of those things resonated. The, the always learning and it's impossible to learn everything. Things change too fast and you can't be an expert in every subject that, you know, it's, it's like what Boxer was saying in his story and what you were saying in yours, Tammy, is all the different things you did before you got to events or did in events before you got to the ones you're at now. And all those things end up informing how you navigate through the, the responsibilities that we all share at this point. Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, you know, one of the things that when I first went to um, the Event Safety Summit was just blink, being blown away by some of the speakers. And, you know, uh, anyway, the ESS, I just was blown away with the opportunity to, like, use different parts of your brain. Even if I'm not really involved in crowd control a lot, I really could see how it's broken down. Some of the speakers like Emma just, you know, really gets your brain going. So that's one of the things I really do love about the safety summit is, you know, 
being challenged to, to figure out new things, um, which I think help, helps us all, uh, maybe even more so when it's in indirectly applied. I have to agree. You know, I, you, you talked a lot about rigging Boxer and, you know, that's not something I do in my day-to-day -day job, but more than likely during the summit, I would probably go sit in on, on one of the sessions that talks about rigging. And I would try to absorb as much as I can because I never know when I might be walking by a stage one day and I say, ah, that's not right. And I can point it out to somebody else. And, yeah. and that's happened before. Yeah, and even if, even if you're not sure it's not right, you could point it out and say, that doesn't look like what I saw before. Can you explain if that's right. actually okay? Because sometimes you're not the person that's sure, but you can at least point it out. Yeah, and, and part of what happens over the course of all of the event safety summits and will this year as well, is you'll learn what at least the a right way is to do something so that it'll give you the ability to recognize when something is seriously divergent from that. And it'll also give you the vocabulary to say what you're looking at. So, you know, Boxer, you just alluded to our friend Emma Parkinson. Uh, Emma is fabulous at giving us you know, both a real world perspective because she works festivals in the UK and the academic vocabulary because she is an active member of the faculty. And it's fantastic. By the it's way, lovely. plug for Emma Parkinson. Yeah. <laughs> she is doing another session for us at this year's summit. And it doesn't matter. There are a few people for whom I would basically watch them reading the telephone directory if there were such things anymore. Emma Parkinson is one of them. She's just so brilliant and entertaining and fun. So, you know, we're thrilled that she's going to do another session because, I mean, I do the same type of work that Emma does and I learn a huge amount from her because she has a different orientation than I do. So, so is that her session this year, the phone book session? <laughs> 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 so so to find out what other sessions are being uh, offered this year check out the website uh, www.eventsafetyalliance.org um so I, go ahead. I believe there is one more person on this broadcast who has not yet shared her safety origin story danielle hernandez um danielle well, i was going to save you... it for another time but i could do it now <laughs> Not to put any pressure on you, but are you ready? Uh, sure. Mine's, uh, mine's a little bit more, nobody died. How about that? Nobody died. We'll start with that part. I will drink tea to that. Yeah. Um, so I manage a performing arts center, a 1900-seat venue at a college in the Southeast. And I work with college students all the time. I've been there for quite some time, and this incident happened hmm, probably about 10 years ago. <laughs> so it was not, not immediately recent. Um, one of the annual events that we do or did when we did everything pre-pandemic, guys. So back when we did shows with college students, um, it, this was one of those you know fun student-organized uh international dance things so you know the kids would dance there would be an irish one and uh one from mexico and one from brazil and one from you know all, all over the world um and and it was a lot of fun it was a great event 
Uh, we have a hydraulic lift in the front of our stage. Uh, the building was built in the 50s, so it does not have current safety stuff all the way through, though, you know, in my time there, it has improved a great deal, but, you know, I, I tell everyone safety is a journey. It's not a destination. <laughs> um, we did a rehearsal where we practiced everything. There's one dance that wanted to rise up on the elevator in the front of the stage. So during the dance before, the elevator descends, and then during the blackout, the kids are supposed to get on the elevator and, and come up. Now, because this is an older elevator, it has two big bay doors that you can open while the elevator's moving. And some of this has changed, and I'll talk about what's changed at the end of the story. <laughs> so the kids under the stage getting ready to dance next. I is actually calling the show. Uh, so they... Again, we'd rehearsed all this so that, that you know, we, we'd gone over the procedures. They did their huddle up and, and build enthusiasm thing. And one of the students ran up the ramp, pulled open the door, and stepped out into the darkness. The elevator was in motion, but it was still mostly up. So she fell into the elevator shaft under the elevator while it was in motion another in in the darkness one of the other students jumped down after her to make you know to help another student came upstairs walked around the back of the stage came over to me and said so and so went under the elevator and i went what <laughs> You know, I, I honestly did not know what she was talking about because it was just, and she said it again. So I had a wireless headset. Thank goodness. I turned over the calling of the show to my technical director and I went under, under the stage to access under the elevator Be because I still wasn't clear on what she was talking about because she wasn't clear on what she was talking about. I went down and I knew where the light switch was. So I turned on the lights under the elevator. I had them stop the pit in motion and send it back to the stage. Once I was clear that no one was in the workings of the elevator, uh, she was unconscious and uh, bleeding from her head. I instructed the people on stage, the show is still going on during all of this, to call 911 and the university police department. Uh, they have to respond regardless. So getting them on site is important to getting EMS on site. The former police have to be on site first to help them get in. Uh, she was unconscious but responsive. Um, the other student that was down there with her, he was a Boy Scout. You know, and I've hired a bunch of Eagle Scouts over the years because they are so Johnny on the spot and very prepared. So he was down there with her. And then I was down there with her as well while we waited for EMS to respond. Uh, it was the last number of the show. Uh, so the decision to just let the show run its way out and then evacuate the house would actually be faster than to indicate there was an issue and have to deal with looky-loos. Uh, so this evacuated the house, evacuated the other performers, uh, got EMS to come down. Um, they transported her to the hospital. Again, she was, yeah, nobody died. 
uh, she had a concussion. Both her and the other student ended up working for me the next year, which was a little traumatic for all of us to get past that. Um, I was already interested in safety things before that, but that experience was one of the worst days of my entire life. It's up there from when my son got stung by a bee and we discovered he had anaphylactic reactions. So it's a very similar experience to me. Um, you know, I spent the evening in the emergency room. I, kudos to my crew. They just took over. They all knew, they are all trained and they knew what to do and everybody did what they did. And I basically just put my entire focus on the incident. It was ruled an accident because that's what it was. There wasn't malicious intent or negligence or anything like that. Um, I spent a lot of time with that student to help her. And it, as I said, she ended up working for me. She is a very good friend of mine. Uh, she's currently living in Florida, you know, and I miss her very much. She probably doesn't listen to this, but uh, she knows that I sometimes tell the story. <laughs> um, but after that, I started to really, really, really look at different hazards because one of the things I realized was it, that hadn't occurred to me as being a different hazard than I had interpreted it as you know because it was a fact and it had been that way since the 50s and that made me look at things with a new light and to also look at things not just stuff in my building but stuff as a neophyte knowing nothing what do I see knowing nothing what is a possible place that someone could get hurt or something could go sideways. Uh, another thing that I, I have learned is how confirmation bias affects how people perceive things, not just me, everyone. And, and how when people communicate that something might be wrong, they're not sure how to communicate it. So the way you hear it isn't necessarily what they're trying to tell you. Again, that has changed a lot, you know, and, and my confirmation bias, yes, the door's open. Of course the door's open. They have to open the door to get onto the pit. So that's, a, that's different than they open the door too soon. Now, to follow up for those of you in the audience that are going, why is it like that? It is not anymore. <laughs> so let me tell you, uh, because some of the stuff we did uh, actually is kind of cool. Uh, now, like most elevators, you cannot open it when it's in motion or when it's up without a key override. There is a light that comes on when the lift is all the way down to indicate that you can open the door. There's a key switch up at the stage manager section on stage where you have to key it on to make it go at all. Um, you also have to, uh, it also has information that tells you if it's open or closed. So you can't run it up when the door is still open without keying it, override it as well. There's also now a steel mesh floor that's about two feet down from the edge. So she fell about six to eight feet. The most you could fall now is two feet and you could lay flat on that surface and not get crushed by the elevator. So it's now impossible for you to open the door and fall in if you somehow circumvented all of the safety features. There are also now two blue lights that are on 24 seven under there. So now if you did open the door and fall in, you would be able to see under the stage. So uh, that's just for, for people who are like, how did the situation evolve? That's, that's how it is now and has been for a bunch of years at this point. 
Um, so yeah, that changed my life. Um, as again, I had already, we, we had a, a summit at, at my building every year where we did training and, you know, we, we had procedures and all of this. So this was above and beyond all of that. And uh, my crew is very tolerant because every time I go to say the event safety summit or, or another OSHA class, I'm like, guys, guess what we're going to do now? Um, and uh, yeah, as I said, they're very tolerant. <laughs> you know, what I'm hearing from that story, Danielle, is learning curve. You know, it's, it's the never stop learning yeah. idea again. You know, there's, there's a lot of common theme in your three stories, Boxer, Tammy, and Danielle. Um, and it all boils down to we didn't see before what we see now. And now it's almost as if you can't unsee it anymore. You know, the process of becoming sensitized, it, it's so important, you know, because we do deal with routine risks all the time. And you're right, confirmation bias causes us not to see them. And being busy causes us not to see them. And sometimes just not knowing what we're looking at causes us not to see hazards. And sometimes, you know, we're just willfully ignorant as I, as I play with my face covering, you know, the nice ESA face covering available for $12 on the website. There are still people who need convincing that wearing a face covering will protect you. And, you know, there's, there's a takeaway message there, just like with all of your stories that, you know, if, if we don't learn from the things that we see around us, even if hopefully they don't affect us directly, they're going to keep happening. And then ultimately they will affect us directly or someone that we care about. And that's obviously the situation that we all want to avoid. Which is so why it's so helpful to share these stories is because people learn some of the consequences of other people's experiences. And hopefully if, if you feel something from any of those stories, it will inform your actions as you go forward so that you're just a little more careful, a little more observant, uh, more situational awareness, you know, as hard as it is. And I know right now, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not even working. Some of that is starting to come back though, guys, a little by little. So we hope, you know, if you aren't working, Danielle, I, I in, you know, I know a lot of people have reduced schedules or maybe they're furloughed. I have found so many great ways to keep the education going during this time. So many free offerings are out there. And so I would encourage everyone to get online and, and find all those offerings and just really advance your skill set, especially in the, in the world of safety, because now is a wonderful opportunity because we can come back stronger and better versions of ourselves if we do that now. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll just say one other thing is, um, is having been involved in a couple of gigs recently and talking to other people who have is people are rusty. You know, they're coming off the bench. They haven't gigged in six months. And so, you know, what was once habit isn't, you got to be aware of what you're doing and really think about it now that you're yeah. jumping back in. Yeah, I had to program my light board the other day for the first time in several months. I was like okay, what, are, <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> so, so yeah, people, people are rusty, um, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody have grace with everybody else as, as we get back to things. All right. Uh, 
Boxer, any other final thoughts? Um, no, I mean, you know, I'll take a chance to, to, to plug the, uh, the event safety summit again, just uh, um, looking forward to seeing how we, uh, we pull it together with the uh, virtual version of it and, um, and hearing all the great speakers that we have and uh, just being inspired. I mean, every year, you know, I think everybody comes out of there fired up and it, it's a good way to recharge your batteries and, uh, you know, just really, um, you know, double down and, and keep that commitment and, and hear what other people are doing. Thank you. Tammy, what about you? Any final thoughts? Well, I want to just say thank you for the opportunity to be able to share my story. I hope it it helps other people to start thinking about safety and their safety culture. And I'm going to plug the Event Safety Summit too, because I just <laughs> found it to be such an important part of my life now. I, I go away from it feeling so refreshed and like so eager to do more and, you know, go out there and spread the good safety word. You know, I, I feel like such a safety nerd right now. I'm so sorry. Um, and you're good company. I know. You're in good company. <laughs> I know. But, you know, if, if I'm going to plug a, a, a couple of the uh, sessions, you know, if you want to learn about um, how to get your event staff, your volunteers trained in, in safety on the fly, Come and check out, you know, the, the session that I'm doing on that. And then also uh, come nerd out on some uh, tent safety. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> what about you, Steve? What final uh, words of wisdom do we have? Well, hell, if we're, if we're plugging stuff, <laughs> I'm in. Um, first, you know, here's, here are the, the logistical things for the summit. So, again, it's the Event Safety Summit, December 7 through 11. Um, so there will be both virtual and live content. So you'll want to kind of tune in in advance for the stuff that we're pre-recording and we'll post online and come back for the chat with the presenters because that will all be live. Um, the cost is consistent with ESA this entire year. We have dropped the prices, you know, the low, low prices. So it's $99 for ESA members, $125 for non-members. Um, check around. You will not find a lower-priced annual conference. Um, I'm speaking at a bunch of other organizations' conferences. They're lovely people, but they, they have not done what ESA has done. And frankly, they're all kind of wondering, well, how do we get people to come to our conference, you know, our virtual conference, and I keep saying, why don't you try dropping your prices because no one has any money right now. And they say, well, we have overhead to cover. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't actually address the problem that everyone faces, which is you're not going to have a big attendance at an expensive conference. So we have dropped our prices because we want you to come. We want you to have this, this opportunity. And we have packed the schedule. Um, my own personal plug is I'm going to do something fabulous with contracts, something that I've resisted for years, which is talk <laughs> through the analysis point by point, subject by subject in, you know, what often is a fairly standard contract. I don't like doing that because it takes food off of my table. But again, this year, let's make things accessible. So I'm going to, you know, geek out on contracts and tell you why the boilerplate stuff matters, even though you probably never read it and God willing, never will have to. Um, and, and there are a lot of great sessions. Um, and, and 
I know because Jacob and I talk about this on, you know, literally a daily basis. Despite our best efforts to program this and then say, okay, it's set in concrete. As soon as we put the summit on sale last week, we started to get more people saying, hey, hey, I have something to say. I want to present at this year's virtual event safety summit too. So I, I guess that's my cue to if you have something that is particularly fabulous and you don't see it on our our tentative agenda let us know um, we're flexible the whole point of having a plan is it allows you to deviate from the plan when something causes you to deviate so this year is going to be a pretty fantastic summit. It's going to be a lot different than the event safety summits of previous years, but that doesn't mean it's going to be worse. In many respects, I think it's going to be more responsive to where we are during this extremely strange year of 2020. Yeah. 2020 is the gift that just keeps on giving. It gives us rotten eggs and piles of poo and <laughs> tornadoes. And, you know, it just keeps giving. Thank you, 2020. Thank you. Uh, I'd, I'd like to thank everybody for being here today. And thank you to Jacob Warwick for editing this after the fact and making us all sound great. I'm sorry that my dog didn't bark this time. There's always chance in the final moments that one of them will sing their songs. But uh, if you have any origin stories you want to share with us, you can email them to us at info at eventsafetyalliance.org for podcasts in the subject line, or you can check us out on Instagram. We put stuff on there occasionally. And if you have a photo of a story you want to share, share it with us there. Um, please, everyone, remember to wear your face coverings when you're out and about in the world and stay safe, everybody. 